Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. I'm Kishore and I'm joined by Liz and Brian as we break down the Jets trade deadline question mark. I mean, it wasn't much of a, a, a active day for the Jets, but we are going to talk about the one move the Jets did make, uh, the moves that other teams made, um, and uh, some of the names that were on our list of the trade deadline preview uh, that moved to other teams and what we see as the pathway forward for the Jets as we head towards the playoffs. Um, first, before we get into the moves Jets made, uh, Liz, Brian, what do you think about the deadline overall? I, okay, so uh, obviously as it happened, I was extremely underwhelmed and I feel like that's kind of the general consensus of all fans, whether like good, bad, whatever, like you end up being happy with the moves, not happy with the moves, you were underwhelmed. It was not the biggest day. Um, but I was listening to Ken Wibinshaw on Oakland Sports and they were talking about how Chevy was all in on a couple of big swings and the guys that he wanted to get didn't end up moving. So Chevy didn't actually, you know, kind of fall short on some of the guys and not bid high enough to get a Savard or a Riley or whatever. It was Colin Miller and Rasmus Ristolainen, I believe, that he was going for, and those guys did not end up moving. Rasmus um, Ristolainen. That's what I heard. I, I think it was actually more Ristolainen than Miller, but it might have been a package. Sounds like it was good a thing. Package. Good thing that didn't happen then. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. So stay away. Um, so that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, a lot of people were like, oh, the asking price was too high. Chevy wasn't worried about the asking price. He would have gone all in if it was a guy he thought was a fit for the team. And the guys he thought were a fit for the team didn't end up moving. So I don't really call it a loss. I don't think it's Chevy's corner from my perspective. I think it's a bit of a loss of a day, but I don't think it's anyone's fault in particular. Um, as for Jordy Ben, um, there are worse guys out there. I don't want to talk smack about the guy before he gets here. Obviously not. If we were to walk away from the day with one defenseman, my first choice was definitely not Jordy Ben from the Vancouver Canucks. Um, but I think he will probably be fine and mediocre and okay yeah yeah i pretty much agree with whatever everything you said there um yeah it's like they probably didn't want to be giving up any villy hanelas or dylan sandbergs so i agree if the price to get a vince dunn or something like that included one of those guys i probably didn't want to do that um the Ristolainen thing was news to me. That's the first I heard of that. Um, I, to tell you the truth, I wouldn't give up a seventh round pick for him. His contract carries some pretty awful value. And uh, there hasn't been, to be honest, many defensemen in the league who have had a worse impact than him from, uh, <laughs> from my perspective. There's a reason Buffalo sucks every year. It's not all Rasmus Ristolainen. But he hey, plays don't a take lot that away minutes. from Josh Morrissey. Don't take away that negative defensive <laughs> back from Josh Morrissey. <laughs> Josh Morrissey is a better player than Rasmus Ristolainen. Ristolainen's in a category unto himself. <laughs> there's having there's having negative defensive impact, and then there's having negative defensive impact that takes your team into historically bad territory. So, uh, so we'll leave it there. Uh, but yeah, Brian, like, uh, keep going. Any, like, were you overall like happy? disappointed underwhelmed like are you okay with us standing pat initially i was disappointed but like Liz said um 
I didn't want to be giving up any of our top prospects for, you know, guys that you don't necessarily know are going to get the best shot under Paul Maurice, you know, like uh, Vince Dunn or somebody like that. So the, the one that really kind of killed me a little bit was not giving up more than a 2022 third round pick for Mike Riley. That was the one that kind of hurt me a bit. I'm like, well, you know, I really think this guy could help the team. I would have stepped it up to a second round pick if it were me, but that's just me. And I don't think most GMs around the league. So I see the same value in Mike Riley that I do. So, you know, it is what it is, but. It is what it is, is a good description of the trade deadline. Generally, it was the prices seemed to never really come down after Toronto set a, like a really high bar and Tampa set a high bar based on the Savard and Felino trades, um, because there was a record low number of trades um, for the past 20 years. Uh, and, and frankly, like the amounts for some of these guys getting moved, given the number of games left for these rentals was pretty astronomically high. Um, I, I just want to add that like Chevy seemed straight up frustrated in his press conference afterwards. So you could tell like he had irons in the fire that didn't work out. Um, so I, I, I do feel for him. We didn't make a move that was bad. Uh, like we didn't super overpay, uh, but Jordy Ben is probably like an eighth defenseman on the team. Um, on this that, team. <laughs> I mean, that's where I hope be. he is on the depth chart. He might be a seven, but I hope like Hanel is ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, let's talk about what Brian was touching upon, like the ones that got away. There was a number of trades involving people that we mentioned on our preview uh, with Mike Riley going to Boston for a third in 2022. Uh, Brendan Montour on basically like a reclamation project trade uh, to the Panthers. Um, I might even throw, even though we didn't mention him, John Merrill going to the uh, going to the Canadians um, for a fifth round pick uh, uh, to Detroit, uh, and then Savard going to Tampa Bay for a first. <laughs> uh, sorry, I can't stop laughing about this. A first and a third uh, for Savard. Wasn't, um, there a, wasn't there three picks involved? Wasn't there a third, first, a third, a fourth? I don't know One what they ended up giving up because. Detroit was the weird middleman there. And so I don't right. know what Tampa ended up giving up, but yeah. <laughs> it was a first third and a fourth um, at the end of the day. They had to pay the fourth for the cap retention that Detroit did. I have but, a lot for a stay at home defenseman who albeit is really good defensively, but there's not much else he does. Here's the thing though. If we would have done that, man, I would have been pissed. Like we were seeing in our last episode, like, we didn't want David Savard solely because of the whole market price thing, whatever. But I feel like it was a fine move for Tampa Bay to make. That's the biggest defenseman on the market, and that's who you're going for. Go for him. You're not looking at draft picks. You're looking to win the cup back-to-back -back years. And I think it was probably a fine move for them to make. Not every team should be making that deal. I would say 30 other teams should not be making that deal. But I feel like it's not that dumb of them to do, if that makes any sense. No, I get you. The right side on defense is... If they have a weak point in their lineup, that might be it. So, yeah, I get it. I, I get it from a look at the market standpoint. That's the best guy. That's supposedly the best guy out there. Um, go for it. So, I get that. 
they also have a track record of it working for them, like bringing in guys like Savard in like, especially last year in the, in the cup run, they're also playing with house money. They're the cup champ. Like if this backfires, like the fan base isn't going to turn on them by any stretch of the imagination. And Davis they know Scott they're in their window. And getting any younger and he sure as hell not going to win a cup in Columbus in the next five years. So like if I were him, I'd be like, friggin' let's go, let's do it sort of thing. Like there's an appeal there for sure. Um, I also quickly want to say, I don't know for sure whoop, if it was a Rissalainen and um, Miller thing. That's just kind of what was sort of insinuated when the sports night guys were talking, but they're going to look into it a little bit more, but it sounds like the big swing was with Buffalo. So Miller, would it have been both guys you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. I get you. So Miller, why would they bring in both? I don't, that I don't get. They have one hole on right defense. And that's where Tucker Poolman's playing. They have two mm. studs on right. You don't see that as right a whole, now. though. I don't think. And I, I think, actually, I don't know. I Dylan DeMello think... is better than both of those players. But do you think Paul Maurice values Dylan DeMello more than he values Colin Miller or Rasmus Ristolainen? Probably not Ristolainen. I, I think, think the, I think the NHL sees. <laughs> I think the, I think the NHL sees. Rasmus Ristolainen's value a bit higher than uh, than what I see it as uh, as an analytics heavy type of uh, type of person. It was like a worse Seth Jones. It's like everyone's pretty high on him, but he's yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't really want to touch him with the ten foot pool. He's list. Is there any trade? List. Was there any trade made that you wish the Jets had? had pulled had had considered oh, any player that moved absolutely the mike riley trade i know brian already touched on that but that was the one that even before i saw what any players were worth um i wanted mike riley and then i saw what they ended up giving up for him and i still wanted mike riley and also i know this is insane but taylor hall for what they got taylor hall for man it would have been nice to see the jets sort of throw something in there do we need him not really would he have helped of course he would have but like for what they ended up giving up uh, I would have been in on that for sure, but uh, mostly Mike Riley. Um, yeah, I don't know if that, that might be it. Brandon Montour, I wasn't super high on to begin with, but they gave up essentially a bag of pucks for him. So like that might've been someone for cheap, but uh, I don't know. I, Mike Riley is just the big one that stands out for me. Um, and also yeah. Victor Mete on waivers. Victor Mete would have been a sweet snag off of waivers. We, Not Sammy Otten, we- no, but Victor Mete. We might have put in a claim on Mete, but we won't know because Ottawa's probably had the priority on us anyways. So it, it kind of, it, it, that's one of those things that's a behind the scenes element that we'll never really get a sense from. I would say, I agree, like Riley's the one that we missed out on. I'd put like way down below Riley. I would have been open to Kulikov coming back for that price yeah. as a depth wow. add for like, it was a fifth round pick, not only because, it's a it's like a minor depth ad and Kulikov's having a good year and knows the system like he could slot in but you would prevent Kulikov from going to Edmonton who is likely our first round opponent and you hate to see your first round opponent get uh improve in any way and you don't um so then uh and then the other one and uh, you know I know I'm going to be on this train a little bit I like the Sam Bennett reclamation project uh, trade because it wasn't terribly expensive. It was uh, Bennett and a, and a six for a, for a second and a kind of mid level prospect. Um, I would have been interested in that because Sam Bennett was a pain in the ass last year in the in the play in round, um, and I think he would be 
interesting insurance um, uh, on a fourth line. And if you have Dubois and Bennett going how they did last year in the playoffs, we could be a real pain in the ass up front to, to play against. Uh, but those are real outliers. It, I didn't see a bunch of trades where I was like, why didn't Winnipeg get this guy? Oh, um, and on the theme of outliers, everyone knows I would sell my soul for Anthony Mantha. So that sucked to see him traded. But for what they gave up for him, I'm never not gonna, Detroit won that trade in a landslide. And they yeah, gave up Anthony Mantha. And I, didn't think, I didn't think a Mantha trade was going to end up in Detroit winning, but they won that trade. Yakov Rana is basically he might be as good a player as mantha and that's like anthony mantha is one of my favorite nhl players but yakov rana is one hell of a player they, the rule is never trade players with steve eisman because you're going to lose like that's the, that is just the rule could win. yeah exactly uh like i think a large part of the disappointment were the players that didn't move um of the players that didn't move that we talked about um, it, were there any that really stick out to you as, as ones that you're like, um, yeah, I would have paid a, a hefty price for them. Like we talked about Manson and Dunn. Like we uh, would have paid a price for them. Yeah. Like... Or, um, uh, even Alexiak who didn't move, but probably wouldn't have been as expensive as, as a Manson deal. Well, it sounds like he would have been expensive enough since the stars didn't deal him. I mean, Look, if the stars are getting a heck of a return, they probably would have moved them, but they see themselves as a possible or a possibility to push for a playoff spot, even though it's probably less than a 50% chance. Sometimes you just say, okay, let's go for it. it, it list, was there anyone on that list you would have, you know, sold somebody, sold, paid a high price for, like a Tampa Bay level uh, all in on? um for this run there's no one I would have gone all in like that on I don't think um that being said um if you're gonna go you should probably go all in so I do get that in that sense um I would have paid for Alexia I would have paid like a third or something for Alexiak but I again if he was worth that seven teams would have had a Jamie Alexiak so he was clearly worth more than that same thing with Josh Manson apparently they were asking for like a first and a top level prospect yuck no thank you not even close and that's for a maybe on a guy who hasn't had very good uh underlying numbers in the last couple seasons like it's been a few years since he's had that impact Mm -hmm. like i'm thinking a guy i'm thinking billy hanala can have a better impact than a josh manson can and down the stretch here if the jets decide or if paul maurice i should say decides he wants to throw him in the lineup Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was in a very similar position as both of you. I was I was angry during the deadline because I was like, mostly I was angry for Connor Hellebuck because he's put out a second Vezina level year. And like all of us remember Andre Pavlik being our goalie. And Vezina level years are not something that we can count on. And so I feel bad that the team didn't make a move to recognize the amount of effort he's giving them and how much this team has really gelled together. Uh, But then when you look at the trades, I was like, I don't want any of these players. I take it back. I actually, when I saw that Hayden Fleury was on the move, 
Mm. I was a little bit intrigued. I would have taken Hayden Fleury. I don't remember what they ended up giving before him. It was like a prospect and a pick or something. I don't know. I would have given up a couple of picks or something for Hayden Fleury. I think he's decent. And I think it would have been fun. Um, but I also want to say that me being in on Mike Riley was also just kind of wishful thinking. And that's one of those things where it actually might've been a miss and a waste of a trade um, because it doesn't really seem like the right fit for the Huddy Maurice tangent that, or tandem that we run. I don't know if it would have worked. So I'm not even that mad that we missed on that one. Um, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not working with two, two of the better defensive prospects in the league. So I'm not sure what the, what that says. Speaking of lots of discussion uh, at Chevy's uh, conference after the deadline about Hainala, um, Hainala getting more ice time. It's been going around uh, all the press conferences. Maurice got asked directly about it a couple times today. What do you make of um, Hainala potentially coming into the lineup, or or is there somebody else that you would say needs to come in? Um, yeah, I mean. I'm in complete agreement with Chevy here. Like get him into the lineup. Why not? Right. We've been saying that for, for a while you've got on the left side right now, you've got Josh Morrissey, Derek Forbert, Logan Stanley. And while we like what Logan Stanley's done, um, Derek Forbert's been struggling since about probably game 10 to 15 of the season. Josh Morrissey was struggling all season. Now he has turned it around a bit, probably not to the tune of a $6 million defenseman, but I think he's done enough to, for my money to stay in the lineup. He's, he's probably not my guy coming out. Um, (laughs) And that was never going to happen anyway, but Forbert's got the redeeming factor of being a good penalty killer. Um, Logan Stanley's been, I, I don't want to say, overrated but maybe a bit overrated i think he's been fine there's been nothing wrong with him but drawing comparisons to bufflin and guys like that at this point that's just incredibly silly um billy hanel is going to have a much higher ceiling and probably a better chance to impact the lineup in a good way so if you could put him in your top four and drop Forbert down to a third pairing role, I think that does a lot for your team. I um, I think when I think about it, I just have to kind of get into Paul Maurice's head for a minute. And I think the thing is, like, what, there are two things that burn Billy Handle when you try and get into Maurice's head. One is that if his lineup isn't broken, he's not going to fix it. So he's not about to slot in guys if it's not for an injury. That's just not the way that he works. And secondly um he likes developed large prospects so if Hanel was four inches taller and had two extra years under his belt in the AHL I think he draws into the lineup I don't think it's his style of play I don't think it's because he's finished I think he just kind of draws a short end of the stick on those two things that seem to be really important to Paul Maurice and I too have I was at first I was very pleasantly surprised with Stanley but I do not think we win more games with him in the lineup than Hanel. I don't think it's even close actually, but how, what do I know? That's just kind of my whatever, but that's kind of my Paul Maurice defense for the day. Like, I think that's just the way that he's thinking about it. And I don't entirely fault him at least in the former part of that. Like, I think it makes sense. That, like he's very much always been like that with his team. Injuries change the lineup, not like whatever, unless it's Toby Enstrom in the playoffs, <laughs> then, then play changes the lineup. But 
that's sort of where I'm at. I don't know if Kishore, you want to argue with me on that at all. I mean, the thing I would, I would suggest is we're playing with house money. Um, like home ice advantage doesn't mean anything right now, just because like, there's not going to be fans in the building at this point. Um, and we're eight clear of Montreal. Like they have three games in hand, but I don't see us at this, at the current moment, dropping to fourth. I think we're pretty locked into second or third um, in the North. And, it, and like, you know, anyone can say, oh, we can pick up on Toronto. We can sweep series. Like, but that doesn't really give us much of an advantage to play Montreal uh, over Edmonton. Like we can argue about the matchups. I say, use the time that we have in these last few games to see if you can generate a better defensive back end. And uh, I to agree. Me, I'm just saying that's not the way that it works with this team. No, I 100% agree. But this yeah. is the moment that I see the one like there's two additions to the Jets defense that they can make that would make a huge difference. I do think we need to see what Hanala can do. He's he's shown at the moose. He was great in the Finnish league. He's earned a chance to at least try. Um, and I think the second defenseman we need to see improve is actually Morrissey. And so what I actually want to see, and we saw a glimpse of this, even though it's sort of on the wrong side is see Hanala and Morrissey together because the Morrissey Pullman pairing is I think the weakest pairing that we have. I agree that Stanley's been overrated. Part of the reason he's overrated is DeMello's dragging him upward. So like, I don't know if that's where I wanna like um, mess around with. I'd rather see somebody really help unlock Morrissey be a better, better player, um, rewind the clock a little bit. We only got one game of that. I would really like to see it. The chance of this happening is, is nearly none. We spent half a season talking about how Nathan Beaulieu was dragging our defensive pair down, and he didn't draw out of the lineup until he literally got put on injured reserve. So, and we've been a much better team since he's left the lineup with how Stanley has played um, in his stead. So, so I want to see Hanla in because I think Hanla is the type of player that makes his defensive partner better. Uh, And that's why I want to see him come in and play uh, play with Morrissey. I think there's virtually no shot that we see Sandberg this year, given that he's hurt um, and given where he is on the depth chart. I do think we are going to see Jordy Ben before we see Hanala, and that is going to drive me crazy. Um, Just because I don't think Jordy Ben does anything. Yeah. I I have nothing against Jordy Ben. I just like when you kind of project forward to the playoffs, like what does Jordy Ben give you? Uh, I'm fine with him coming in for like Pullman or Stanley. I have nothing against that. I just don't think it's the kind of move that really sets you up for something in the playoffs. You really have to be thinking right now, McDavid and Dreisaitl, who, what defensive pairs are going to give us the best uh, chance at, at playing against them. Tinker with your defense in the matchups that we have left with Edmonton, because that's who we're playing. Like use the time wisely. Um, and then like, you know, like see uh, like play around with uh toronto as well and and just give hellebuck time off like we are in a weird position where we're very locked in uh, to the playoffs and we and fighting for home ice doesn't matter and so we should use it i don't think that's the way maurice is going to coach though yeah, yeah I, I um sorry i just going to quickly say that i think 
like this is gonna be the old timey part of me that I feel like Brian especially is really gonna dislike but I do think what Jordy Ben does bring to the lineup is a little bit of that I'm gonna say it the forward grit so I think in the playoffs when you have those guys who are kind of comfortable with you know laying the body punching guys in front of the goalie seven games that really wears people down and I think having a little bit of that in the lineup is not a terrible thing if the guy doesn't suck otherwise and I think that's a big part so people always talk about they're like oh like Logan Stanley is gonna fight a guy once every three games okay yeah but he also chokes up the puck and he ices it a million times a game and he can't exit the zone so I don't know what you want um but I don't know if that's me trying to validate Jordy Ben or if that's actually how I feel but I do think there's a little bit of a difference when you're playing a team seven games in a row and it's do or die and there's a little bit of that you kind of want to wear down some of the guys on the other team I don't know um yeah so basically all I would have to say to that is if that's really what's happening like if they're if they're really wearing down the other team enough to have an impact that's going to show up in the results right so that's all that's basically that um as far as what Kishore was saying about Hanala playing with Morrissey I I tend to agree with you um I do want to see Hanala play the left side and I do think Mm -hmm. I do think DeMello playing with Morrissey could be good enough. Like it was last year in the playoffs. Um, and honestly, I do think Morrissey's playing a lot better, save for uh, the recent game against Ottawa. But yeah, I, I, I think pairings of Morrissey, DeMello, and I probably throw Hanela back with Pionk is probably what I would do um, just to start it off. Um, that could shift into something different if you want it to. That but sounds like chaos. <laughs> it could be because Hanel is a very aggressive player and I'm not sure that Pionk would necessarily be the right guy to clean all that up, but chaos could be fun too. Oh yeah. yeah. I, no, I love offense. chaos. Bring it on. But I really think they should um, uh, tinker all around with some of the upcoming matchups. So I actually kind of want to see Veselinen draw in for somebody, give one of the veterans sure. um, a rest night, give Perot a night off, Thompson, Trevor Lewis a night off, have Veselinen come in um, and play a few games because we have been incredibly lucky with injury this year. Like Wheeler being out is really like our most significant injury um, all year. So uh, at this point, I, I kind of want to see people just get reps in case we need to play them because every, as everyone remembers, it only took five minutes of game one of the play-in round last year before we had to uh, totally uh, revamp our lineups. Um, yeah. go, going forward, let's talk about the moves the other teams in the North made, uh, uh, particularly Edmonton and Toronto. Uh, let's start with Toronto. Do you think with their additions of uh, Felino uh, and David Riddick um, and Ben Hutton, I guess, uh, do you think they're a much scarier team heading into the playoffs? Uh, eh. Felino is the only one that really moves the needle for me. Um, Ben Hutton sucks. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) David Riddick is having a terrible year. Like I get what they're trying to do there. Like, absolutely. And I've said this to about a hundred people, like, 
I love what Kyle Dubas did. Like, I thought it was fun. I thought he was gutsy, and I thought he really went out, and he his team needs a goalie, he's getting a goalie. His team needs a defenseman, he's getting – like, he just did what his team needed, and I think that's a fun – I wish – and, like, I always talk about this. I wish hockey was more like basketball in that sense. Trade the freaking coach if you want to. Like, do something. <laughs> I like the excitement, so I respect Kyle Dubas for that, and I think he made the right call um, on a lot of those trades. And I think Foligno um, – I like Nick Foligno a lot um, and the whole like good leader bit that's like the fact that they have 12 players on their team now that at one point wore a letter on the front of their jersey like I don't give a crap about that like I just I, don't, I feel like he's just more one of those guys where you just make your bottom six a lot more like you know kind of more intense and they can lay the body and they can make you kind of scared I don't know like I think he made the right moves for his team but I still am more scared of Edmonton than I am of Toronto just because I think we suck at shutting down McDavid and Drysaddle um, more than we suck at shutting down like Matthews and Marner. I don't know, but that that's how I take it. But I think it was a good deadline for them. I think they did a good job and I think they made their team better. Here's what I think about Toronto. I think they paid too much for Nick Foligno, um, a bottom six player. Um, Boston paid, I mean... Yes, I know Hall will probably wasn't going to Toronto, but Hall paid a lot less for Taylor Hall. Um, I thought maybe, yeah, a little too much for Felino. Uh, maybe there was something else out there, you know, that could have been a little bit better for them potentially. I- I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I. I'm not sure. I don't really like the move that much for Toronto. I don't really think it moves the needle for them so much. And the one team I kind of really liked their deadline from the North was Edmonton um, picking up Dmitry Kulikov. I do think it adds some defensive ability to their back end. Um, Besides that, I thought it was a whole bunch of nothing for North division teams. Yeah, um, I'm not. Didn't Montreal get uh, Gustafson? Montreal had got a terrible worse. deadline. They got yeah. worse. They, they did get worse. Him. They replaced it with Gustafson. They wanted the the problem people have with Mete is that he's bad defensively, but like he's not. He's not bad defensively. Montreal did get worse, and uh, uh, even though Jake Allen is outplaying Carey Price, like the team doesn't look right at all right now. And they only have a couple weeks to figure out. I think Toronto's going to barnstorm them uh, in the first round at this rate. I will say this about Felino. Felino does chart some time on the PK. And I think he could really help um, what has been a subpar Toronto PK. Like they have to use Marner on the PK. And I think that really um, has some impacts across the game for them. So I like Felino from that standpoint. I don't think it's a huge move. I would have been more scared had they gotten Hall, but the report is, is that Dubis didn't want Taylor Hall. And so it never came up. And that's why they didn't pay a second for him is they just didn't want him at all. Oh, um, and it was like everybody was, uh, or Taylor Hall was blocking trades from anybody supposedly except Boston. Yeah. I don't know how much truth there is to that, yeah. but. That's good for I him. Heard. He earned the no trade clause. So like, you know, like good for him as a player to do that. I agree. I am worried about this Edmonton move with Kulikov um, because Edmonton's weakness is, uh, is now mo- more so their, uh, their bottom six. And 
Kulikov like helps stabilize a second or third pair for them, which we used to be able to exploit a lot more. Um, so now we're going to have to really count on our like Lowry line um, and maybe even the fourth line to generate like some offense against them in the playoffs and just hope Mike Smith is Mike Smith and Connor Hellbuck's Connor Hellbuck. That's how we'll win that series. But I mean, like the, but at the end of the day, I think that's a sneaky good pickup for them. Um, that costs them nothing it cost, and uh, like helps stabilize a real big weakness that Winnipeg was good at exploiting. And they got rid of Kyle Turris. So they also made themselves better in that sense. Oh, <laughs> or I don't know if anyone sure. picked them up. Bert, yeah. Uh, no, they, no one picked him up. I think he'll still be in their lineup. But Oh, gosh. Well, um, um, but I agree. I think in Edmonton, like going into this year, everyone's like, oh, they're a top-heavy team. And Darnell Nurse is having a fine year. Everyone's like, what is it going to take for him to get nominated for the Norris uh, to be good? Like, he's not that good. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, don't even get me started on that one. But then it was goaltending. That was the big thing. And Mike Smith is having the most un-Mike Smith year of all time. So if he, like you said, if Mike Smith is Mike Smith and Connor Hellbuck is Connor Hellbuck, we'll probably be okay, but I don't really want to bet on that. So never bet on goalies. Um, Yeah. Never bet on goalies. Like Mike Smith plays a style of goaltending. That's very luck based though, as opposed to like Hellebuck doesn't move very much and he uses his size to his advantage. And like, that's part of the reason he's better. Mike Smith is all over the place. I've never seen a, that goal, he moves so much in net. It's crazy that he's still survived in this league, uh, given that style. But anyways, like, I, what are your feelings about the Jets going forward into this back quarter of the season and projections for them going forward? Are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you, what do you want them to, to really do over the next couple of weeks now that the lineup is pretty set? I'm not the type of guy that really gets nervous about the whole thing but i'm intrigued to say the least um given shovel dayoff's comments about hanala and then maurice's comments not so much comments but more of his tone of voice and the whole um they'll get a game or, or oh they'll get in i guess or something is what he said we'll play him i guess we'll yeah, play him i guess that's what he said it didn't sound like he was too enthusiastic about it and yeah i i definitely think there's certainly a disconnect there between shovel day off and maurice um so we'll see what happens it doesn't sound like he wants to get philly hanala into the lineup but honestly the way they're going to make noise is for him to play not just a role, but a significant role in the top four. He, he's the guy who should be their upgrade. I think that every time I think something I'm wrong, so I don't even know what to say. Like, I just, it's so unpredictable every year. Like, you know, I don't even know where to go. I, I was telling Brian about this the other day. I have my theory. I'm, I'm going to enlighten you with my theory. Okay, so tight. So we have been frustrated with this Morrissey-Pullman um, pairing. It's just not working anymore. And we've been frustrated that Dylan DeMello has been carrying Logan Stanley in a sense. Logan Stanley's been fine, but they play sheltered minutes and Dylan DeMello is better than that, especially considering who is ahead of him. 
I think that this is Maurice balancing out his lineup for the time being. And when the time comes, he's going to put DeMello with Morrissey as his top pairing and ice them for 25 minutes a night. I genuinely think he's going to do that because I can't think of another reason why you would think that Tucker Pullman is a better fit with Josh Morrissey than Della Dimelic. It just makes no sense to me. And I think Brian told, I don't know what you said. You said something like, I think you're giving Pomo a bit too much. You put I said you're giving him too much credit, but, yeah, I don't know, but there's one thing less that Paul Maurice thinks and knows you can't teach size. Dylan DeMello is only six feet. Tucker Pullman, I think is six foot three. Can you kick someone out of a zoom meeting? I'm asking. I kind of that, but I kind of watched DeMello like in my own version of ISO the last few games before that. Ottawa game which was a bit of a dud he is so good for the Jets he makes like such smart little plays consistently that lead to zone exits uh he's not perfect he's not like Victor Hedman or you know Kale McCarr or something like that but he makes smart little plays um that lead to offensive zone time and like Mm -hmm. that is um a huge thing that uh seems to be undervalued uh here you know what I want to see I feel like Mason Apple. I th- I know Andrew Kopp is getting all the love. Mason Appleton has been the breakout star for the Jets for this year for me. He is all around game. How he was on power play one the other night, he is uh, really somebody I want to see um, get more of a role as we head into the playoff because he just keeps executing um, in every phase of the game that we see him in. Um, driving zone exits he makes good plays that don't lead to necessarily turnovers Um, and I think there's a lot of conversation about Ehlers but Appleton's the guy I want to see get more of a role with the team going forward I know it's almost blasphemy to talk about breaking up that third line because it's so good but he's a he's the the real star in the making on the Jets that's under the radar I want to jump on that. Actually, I was going to bring it up and then I forgot about it. Um, When we were talking about injuries, we talked about how Wheeler is the only significant injury this year. Honestly, okay, I am happy with the Blake Wheeler injury because he needs some time to freaking relax a little bit. Like this guy, Mm -hmm. people are always glorifying him for having missed like whatever six games in the past seven years. Like why? He's playing through injuries. Let him rest. And we're not in a place right now where we need all hands on deck to make the playoffs. We're okay. And then by giving him that rest, even though he's actually hurt and needs it this time, you're also giving people like Mason Appleton a chance to show some more um, different kinds of quality. Like he would never otherwise get to play on that first power play unit. Um, And I just, I think that's important because I don't necessarily want Mason Appleton to play in our top six right now based on just kind of the thing we got going, but it just gives you more to work with for other seasons. Like next, next season becomes into training camp and, gunning for a top six role you have nothing to sort of you have no no measuring stick because he never has because there's never been a chance for him to do so and I think you know so the the injury has given him the chance to do that it's given Cobb the chance to play more on the top six it's given Matthew Pro a chance to get off that fourth line and it's also given the fourth line unpopular opinion an opportunity to redeem themselves because everyone was saying that Pro was carrying them and that they're able to hold their own without him is really nice so mm-hmm. that's kind of my little rant to go off on right now, but I'm okay with where the Jets are at at present. I agree with you. Um, see, I like Appleton. I, 
I don't see him as highly as some other people. I do think he's a valuable piece and a great third liner, but I do think he's carried a, a little bit by Perot. Not, not to say that he's bad or anything. I think he's a pretty good player. I think Perot just makes everybody look a lot better than they are. Um, so that's my take on that. But the top six anyway, I think has the makings of being really good. I'm not for the longest time. I haven't been a fan of Dubois with Ehlers. I just think um, Ehlers in particular is a lot better away from Dubois. And I think, I think like you could go back to that cop Stastny Ehlers line that was so dominant early in the year. And you could go, I would like to see uh cop stay up or sorry. Um, uh, Connor stay up with Shifley and Dubois up there as well. I think that would be um, not a line you could ever rely on defensively, but a line that would create a lot of offense potentially. It was actually so funny, Brian. I want to jump on that. I was listening to uh, Ken and Sean's pregame the other day, and they were going at it about that because Ken is very adamant that to win in the playoffs, Dubois needs to be playing center. And Sean is very much on the 9-25-27. Yeah. He loves that line. And um, and that would, again, put together 81 with 55 and 13. Um, I agree. I don't like Dubois with Ehlers. I don't really like Dubois that much right now. He's frustrating me a little bit. And I just – but we haven't seen the best from him yet. Not even close. He knows that. Maurice knows that. Every single person knows that. This is not – the best you're going to get out of him, but it's got to come sooner than later, please. My friend. Um, so I've got, <laughs> I've got something that'll make both Ken and Sean happy. Then Connor. The Con- yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I would not be opposed to that. I think his thought was that you need to be going like, I don't even know, 55, 13, 25, 17 down the middle or something like that. I don't remember, but I, I agree that there should be some flexibility there. And I, I don't know what the solution is. Like I, I genuinely look at that top six all the time and I try and think of what the best configuration is there. And I have no idea. Like there just seems like so many players that are slightly incompatible and like, I don't know, like it's just weird, but I do currently like Stastny with Dubois. I'm okay with that when they play together. Yeah. I like Stastny with just about anyone to be honest. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, um, Stassi could could be like on the taxi squad, and he'd be having a good game somehow. <laughs> and I, I I think you're you're both right. Dubois is the person I want to see in this last uh, half quarter of the season. Just have a monster game, just to give us a glimpse of what he can do in the, in the playoffs, because he hasn't done that thing where he uh, starts leveraging his size and just starts punishing people as he does zone entry and just creates all sorts of possession. We know that like that's there. Uh, the other thing I just, I think we need to see a lot more LB down the stretch. There's no reason to play Hellebuck um, unless he, um, unless Hellebuck says he needs to go in. Cause at this point um, I'm fine with anything Connor Hellebuck says that he wants, but out, outside of that, I think we just need a healthy dose of, of LB so that Hellebuck's, you know, as rested as he needs to be going into the playoffs. Yeah, just like, keep him fresh, right? Yeah. yeah. Like me personally, like I wouldn't start doing that just yet, just because I do think maybe not now, but 
I don't know, like I, I am optimistic that we could slot out Toronto for that top spot just based on I just hate them and I feel like <laughs> them. Um, but that's also because like I just I really want to play Montreal in the first round. Like please, that's all I'm asking. Um, but like I don't know, like if you're still like if it's if it's only a matter of second or third, then freaking play your entire taxi squad. I don't care. Like, but if, if first is still the goal, then I wouldn't start resting guys just yet. I don't know. Oh, I'm not talking about resting Hellebuck you know, at some extreme level, but right now he's basically playing any game. That's not a back-to-back. And like, I think we can pepper in uh, LB. Like I think LB should start tomorrow night, the Wednesday night game. Um, especially as like a change of pace after that kind of dead of a performance against uh, Ottawa the, uh, the other night. Um, I'm going to be like the, like, this is not supposed to be a Maurice hate comment or anything, but that's also just the way that, it, like, that's the old-timey way of thinking. Your goalie plays all of your games except for your back-to-backs. That's how you run your starting goalie. So that's the way we run our starting goalie. And I just feel like that would require a change in the mindset, and I just don't think that's there. So I really don't see it happening. I don't know. I think I think we'll see LB a little bit more down the stretch. Probably a bit, uh, yeah. But, yeah, but Hellebuck has some of the highest usage in the league. So that I think it, it's just a, a, a matter of, of things getting sorted that way. Uh, any wrap-up thoughts? I mean, I, I think we kind of covered everything with the trade deadline, but any last hopes and projections for this team as we kind of wind down the season? I'm just going to say try things, mm-hmm. right? Like get as many different line combinations together as you can, see what works um, defensively or on defense. Get Billy Hanela into the lineup. It's just crazy not to have him in at this point. Um, even get even get Dylan Sandberg in there. I know you only have the four call-ups, but um, yeah, you got to get as many looks as you can to see what really works. And I mean, the Jets really do need that upgrade in the top four. So see if one or both of those guys makes it work and go from there I agree like I think the way like where you're at right now are you the best team in the NHL no then try some things and see if you can make yourselves better because there's clearly a way to do it maybe not anymore because you can't trade for anyone maybe this is the absolute most you're getting out of your lineup but I highly doubt that so use the time that you have and the opportunity to at least yeah like you said try things and if it doesn't work it doesn't work you didn't really lose much because of it just try it because you might end up finding a lottery ticket in there you know i generally agree i i still feel like even though we've had success on the pk that's like a weakness for this team going forward so i'd like to see them try a few things there i would say the one thing is i kind of don't want to mess with nate thompson and trevor lewis i just find them to be like a cute couple now of the winnipeg jets i kind of like them together so just leave them alone um uh they're just fun um, and, but I will say it's good to see Jansen Harkins back in the lineup because I think oh. we're, we, even though he hasn't been great, I think um, it's just good to see him get some ice time. I really did want to say one thing earlier that I completely forgot about. Make sure Jansen Harkins gets those 10 total ga- or yes. I think it's seven more games he needs now mm-hmm. to be eligible for uh, expansion draft um purposes so like to be exposed as one of the guys who's had enough games 
So make sure he gets there. So you only have to sign one extra player, be it uh, Pro, Thompson, or Lewis, uh, to be able to protect Mason Appleton in the expansion draft. Yeah, 100%. I think that's one of those fights that Chevy will actually win with Maurice, uh, just because it, it has such huge implications. I'll be interested to follow this this Chevy Maurice thing. It's probably nothing, but there is definitely a little smoke there like we haven't seen between them uh, before. So yeah, I'll we'll see if that develops into something. That we love to speculate. So we're going to keep feeding into this. I just want to quickly uh, remind everyone that we are sponsored by our friends at Vertical Adventures. Um, they have an awesome facility just kind of in the north, sort of west end of Winnipeg there. Uh, when the snow melts, ooh, milks. when the snow melts, make sure you head over there and um, go check them out. Really nice guys. They have a great facility there. They have all kinds of uh, different courses and for all different levels. Make sure you check out their website, their Twitter. They're doing everything they can to uh, make sure it's safe for everyone during COVID. So make sure you check them out. Uh, any episodes coming up, Liz? Um, yes. Okay. So by the time this will be released, I will have recorded this one already, but I'm very excited. Tomorrow, I am going to be interviewing Igor Lorianov too. <laughs> the second, my man, I'm so pumped about that. I I don't even know how you say, it. is it Igor Lorianov the second? I would assume it's that, right? It's a Twitter star, Igor Larianov. He's like a really great guy. I'm just really excited to talk to him. I think it's going to be a really interesting episode to talk to him just sort of about why he's found it important to sort of be a bit of a vocal activist in the hockey community, which we find that there is a lack of a lot of the time. And I think it's just going to be really fun to, um, we don't really talk to a lot of young hockey players in the show. Usually it's alumni or just our silly little selves. So I think it's going to be a really good one. So uh, stay tuned for some listen, Lorian of chatter coming up probably this weekend sometime. We'll see. Uh, keep an eye out for that episode. Uh, we'll be back with uh, more roundtables in the in the coming uh, days and weeks. And keep an keep an eye on our Instagram for some um, post games from time to time. Uh, but with that, Liz Brian, thanks for joining us. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Uh, and as always, uh, we love you, Matthew Perot. Never change. <laughs> Perot-centric podcast. I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet-Centric Broadcast. <laughs>